welcome back to the Shifting Schools podcast. My name is Trisha. Jeff is out today. Fear not, he is back with us next week. He's going to be sorry he missed this week because we have an extraordinary guest, folks, for you to learn from. We have Shauna A. Hawking on the show, who is a leadership consultant, philanthropic advisor, author, and speaker with 20 years of experience. Shauna has worked with large teams at organizations like the University of Pennsylvania, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, University of Alabama, and Duke University. Her clients include universities, national nonprofit organizations, global businesses, and family foundations. Today, we are here to talk about her brand new book entitled One Bold Move a Day, Meaningful Actions Women Can Take to Fulfill Their Leadership and Career Potential. This has been recognized as the November nominee of the Next Big Idea Club. Shauna's articles have been published on Harvard Business Review, Fortune, Fast Company, The Muse, and Motherly. Her expertise has been featured in Bloomberg News, Entrepreneur, Chicago Tribune, Today.com, Insider, the Business Journal, among many, many other places. She has a BA in psychology from Columbia University and a BA in modern Jewish studies from the Jewish Theological Seminary. So this episode, a few things for you to be listening out for. Well, first and foremost, again, the title of her book, One Bold Move a Day, we talk about what a bold move is what it might mean to share our bold moves with learners of all different ages, and why it is so important that we talk about the emotions that underpin those moves that we take. We also talk at length about what it might mean for us to have accountability partners ourselves, and why it's important that young learners also have that experience of partnering with someone who's at that same stage of learning. We talk about the difference of needing accountability partners versus needing mentors. And of course, we always talk we also talk about the great significance of rest. So for me, the big shifted thought that I have walked away from this conversation with is really getting into that place where I'm asking myself to reflect on who's the type of thought partner I need most in this moment and being really transparent and vulnerable with students in explaining how I arrive to my decision. So they also need and know how to do just that. We hope that you enjoy this week's conversation. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Macinvia from Macin is a free digital content management system offering more than 3 million digital titles, including ebooks, audiobooks, read alongs, databases, and videos. To date, this highly sought after digital content management system has been awarded 20 distinctive national honors, including multiple Best of Show awards at ISTE, several awards of excellence by Tech and Learning, and Product of the Year by Modern Library Awards. Today, Mac and Via can be found in thousands of schools and accessed by more than 9 million students around the world. To see what Mac and Via can do for you, visit macinvia.com today. That's M-A-C-K-I-N-V-I-A.com and set up your free account. 
And a reminder that you can save $50 on registration at the upcoming NCCE conference here in the state of Washington, March 21st through 23rd, by using the code SHIFTINGSCHOOLS50. That's all one word, shifting, schools, and the number 50. We will also be recording a live Shifting Schools podcast with anyone who wants to join us in room 406 at 2 p.m. on March 23rd. Thank you to NCCE for sponsoring Shifting Schools and giving us a space to record an episode live. If you have a conference or workshop that you would like to promote on the podcast, please reach out to us at info at shiftingschools.com. Well, I'm so excited to be chatting with you. I devoured your book. I'm guessing you've heard from multiple readers that um, they just couldn't put it down. I got through it in a single sitting. Um, it, you know, it was so compelling. So I, I just couldn't put it down until it was done. So it's really exciting uh, to talk with the author to go a little bit behind the scenes and also remind listeners why this is a wonderful text to have as part of your professional development library. So I'd love to begin at the very beginning of your new book, One Bold Move a Day, you clarify right away in the introduction that boldness can look different for different people at different times in our lives. And I love that message. I think it's it's really useful to remember that. Might you share an example of what you refer to as a not all caps bold move that had a significant, that had big significance in your journey as a founder and leader? Sure. Well, I'm so glad we're starting at this um, exact place because often people hear bold moves and they think, I can't possibly do that. I already have a to-do list a mile long. I have so many things that are being asked of me at work and at home. And I remind people that a bold move is a meaningful action that helps you move forward, learn, and grow. And with this reframe, people start to realize that many of their actions that they're making are bold moves. And then this puts the meaningful intention behind that. And so when I think about the uh, under uh, under caps, you know, bold yeah. move, um, you know, because I try not to say whether they're big or small, because what's big for you might be small for me, or what's big for me yesterday might not be the same thing for me each day. So when I think about a, um, a bold move, um, a quieter bold move that's been really important to me, I think a lot about what happened during the pandemic where all of our communication became virtual and, um, and written. And it was very different to interact with people in this way. And I found myself differently comfortable with sharing my voice and particularly around things that had been uncomfortable before. And this may seem like a small example, but it's very important to me, which is that I first started clarifying more specifically and more frequently how to pronounce my name correctly. Mm. That the name Shauna, when you read it, you know, may not be exactly what people would think. And I love that you had the pronunciation for your name in your email signature. I as well have that. And uh, it felt like a valuing of myself to be able to say, my name is Shauna, Shauna like Donna, if that helps you, in a way that I had often dismissed when people had said it wrong before. And I hope that this example of a quiet, bold move helps people realize that this is an opportunity for us to learn and value ourselves. And that can happen in lots of different formats for us. That's really powerful. And I think that kind of self-advocacy that really kind of comes throughout the entire book. You know, um, you you have a, a great endorsement from Adam Grant, a name that many, many listeners of the show will recognize on the cover of your book. Uh, and he kind of talks about, you know, 
we're often very uncertain about where we go next with our career, um, you know, if we're interested in change or we're thinking about the impact that we have. And so I think it's so important that you talk about next steps don't always have to be flying leaps, right? Um, But as you just addressed, sometimes the, the significance is really thinking about why does this matter to me? What's sort of the, the personal significance? Um, on page 38, you talk about building partnerships and finding accountability partners who help us move forward with our goals. And you clarify that a good accountability partner is someone who is at a similar place of learning. So for the audience of this show, for our educators, um, it would be great, you know, we think, to get young learners also in that practice of rehearsing, working towards a common goal in partnership. Might you say a little bit more about why accountability partners can be so powerful? Yes. So accountability partners are powerful because they give us the extra motivation and reminder of what we're working toward. And the reason that I feel that it's valuable to have someone at a similar place of learning to you is that you're not running to keep up with them all the time, and you're not holding out your hand to drag them with you. They are someone who is next to you, and it's important that you feel safe with them. And when you make this point about early career learners and early career educators, I think that's our opportunity as people who've been in our careers a little bit longer is how are we making learning safe? for our colleagues who are newer in our field. We uh, we teach learning every day. We promote learning to our students. Are we saying to our early career colleagues, it's okay to ask me for help? Here's something I messed up when I first got into the field that I wish I had known and done differently, and so I want to share this with you proactively. I think that the more we can make things safe for learning, then people want to walk alongside us because they really feel like they're we're in it with them. And one of my favorite research studies, since we're talking to an academic audience, I can quote a favorite research study, uh, is that when, um, when you look at a hill with someone next to you, it appears 20% less steep than when you look at that hill by yourself. And this, to me, is just the whole reason why we would want to have an accountability partner and friends and loved ones with us on this bold move journey to achieve our goals. That's I, I love that framing. That metaphor is really important. And I, I just love how you kind of um, you, you talk about, yes, mentors are wonderful. We do need mentors, but an accountability partner is something different, you know, and I you know, I feel like I've fallen into this trap myself personally where I might be working to towards a goal and I think like, oh, I need a, you know, I need an expert to help me here when actually, no, that's not the place that I'm at. Um, uh, And on this show, of course, as a podcast, we talk all the time about the great value in teaching students how to podcast. And often I've been working with young learners who think, oh, well, you know, I need like an expert in the field. No, not not yet. You might get to that point where that's, you know, that's of, of benefit, but find somebody who's also maybe new to this, maybe has that beginner's mindset about it that you can just take some of those smaller next steps. Um, you know, you don't like Manoush Zomorodi is one of my favorite podcasters. I don't necessarily need her yet. I might just need somebody who will sit and listen to me talk about an idea or maybe I'm practicing like an opening for the podcast or a few first lines. So I, I really like that um, that splintering of when is it that we need a mentor and when is it that we need someone who's that similar position? And remembering that um, 
in our journey as learners, we will need both, right? It's not one versus the other, but perhaps thinking about who's that person for this moment. I love the way you said that. It is that the in the journey, it's who do we need right now and understanding that that will evolve and that the accountability partner or mentor in this example that I work with today might be very different than who I need in a year or two years because I will also be a different person. And recognizing and celebrating how I've learned, evolved, and grown means that I might need something different in the future. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, I'm going to point to another specific page here. Um, Page 89, you talk about a habit you refer to as, quote, one more thing. Um, And you you talk a lot about the importance of rest, which is a reminder, I think, that in the world of education, we need to hear again and again and again. Um, I'm wondering if you might talk about what that habit means in conjunction, and I'm sorry, I feel like each of my questions today is like a five-part question. Um, if you could talk about that habit in conjunction with another question that you ask repeatedly in the book, um, and you ask us as readers to ref- reflect on, which is the question, who do you want to become? Um, so I guess maybe a way of paraphrasing that um, that giant knot of a question is, how do those two ideas intersect or what might be the value in holding space for both of those lines of inquiry together? So let's start with the one more thing condition that I call that I have. Uh, It is the, uh, you know, I'm supposed to leave the office at five, six, whatever the time is, and it is 10 minutes till and I think, oh, I can cross off that thing I had on my to-do list for tomorrow. I've got 10 minutes, no problem. It doesn't matter if the project is like an hour's worth of work. I I have 10 minutes. I can totally use this time. Why on earth would I run to the train early, considering I always run and full speed (laughs) to catch any train because I'm always late? So um, this condition is a wonderful belief in yourself and your capacity to do things. And also, we have unlimited capacity until we don't. And there's a, an example I tell in the book about when I you know, literally fell asleep on the floor because I was exhausted from doing the one more thing all the time. And when, when I talk about the importance of rest, rest is essential to who you want to become, not the one more thing. We tell ourselves, oh, if I can just do a little bit more, if I can just finish up these uh, IEPs or these you know, class plans for next semester, I will be far ahead and I'll feel great. And the reality is that if you rest and give yourself the time to fully heal, and rest means lots of different things to different people at different times, then perhaps you will actually show up as the best version of yourself as a teacher, a learner, a colleague, and a loved one. And that's how they're intertwined, because who we want to become is not the person who got the most done. And I think about what you just said at the individual level, and I also then think about zooming out and thinking about what it means at like the learning organization level, because the reality is young folks either see us do that or not, and teachers either see administrators and leaders doing that or not. So again, if the meeting, we get through everything on the agenda, do we push for the one more thing or do we say, hey, you know what? Enjoy a slower walk back or just connect with somebody in the room. We get through what we had planned for that lesson. Do we try to cram in more or do we make a little bit of that social space? Um, Again, I, I think 
sometimes we really need to think about the underlying messages that we are sending to the youngest on our campus in terms of what is the value of rest? What is the value of just simple and sweet connection? So I really appreciate you talking about that um, in depth. Uh, As I said at the top of this episode, I think the book would make for a wonderful addition to professional reading libraries in schools everywhere, not only for educators who are thinking about advancing their careers, but also for us to think more about what it means to encourage leadership in a more inclusive and equitable way. Towards the end of the book, you nudge us to think more about sharing our bold moves and discussing fears, too, with the young people in our lives. Can you say more about why we need both of those conversations? Well, we know that the young people are watching us, that they are. we are modeling every day, and, and who especially more than the teachers who are in the classroom, that you know they are looking for cues, they are looking for signs about how you understand the world so that they can understand how they should understand the world too. And when, when we think about the importance of being proactive and sharing our learning with others, this is a chance for us to um, say the things that we think we've done well and say the things that we're still learning and we're still working on. And that that uh, humanness of learning is really important to make it relatable and to make it stick. And so it took me a long time to think that perhaps my, my own child, whether it's your child or children in the classroom or children that you care about, that my child, I thought, couldn't possibly understand what I was experiencing in, in business and life. And, um, and and a friend you know, I write about in the book challenged me to have this conversation. And I, I don't think I would have done it without her prompting. And, and now I'm in awe of the things that my child at 13 can contribute, his perspective, his thoughts, and, and me sharing what I've learned and what I wish I had learned differently, you know, my bold moves, my learning, my mistakes, I think it's been really powerful for both of us. And it's also built our relationship further. Uh, I I couldn't agree more with that piece about, you know, it it really strengthening relationships because I think there's sort of been this myth perpetuated, especially around anyone who works in leadership fields or creative fields, that it's just sort of like you woke up one day and you knew how to do it (laughs) and it was easy. And every single time we have a guest come on this show, they talk about some of the struggles, they talk about the emotional complexity involved in the work. Um, and I, I really think we do students a disservice when we hide that, even when we talk about some of the everyday aspects of, of family life. Um, you know, I, I was working for a school once where we just had a panel of folks with different types of family structures, and we did a very open Q&A about, um, you know, just some of the day in, day out things that are challenging about about life in family that you need to think about as an adult. Uh, And it dawned on me that a conversation like that never would have happened when I was a kid. Um, And you could have dropped a pin and heard it. Uh, I think the authenticity around the conversation was so powerful. So uh, again, I, I really appreciate you talking about that need to it's not always about the wins, right? Um, it is talking about everything that preceded that, and especially some of the emotional undercurrents. You know, I'm sure in your journey, it wasn't always smiles and rainbows. You had some of those days that were really, really tough. So, thank you for talking about that in the book. Um, for school leaders, for for anybody who's listening and they're thinking, let's 
go further with this book. Let's invite the author in. Uh, let's see if we can connect with her. What's the best way for them to reach out and, and contact you? Well, I would love to continue the conversation and keep learning together. My website is Shauna A. Hawking.com. And I'm very active on LinkedIn and Instagram. And I'm Shauna A. Hawking there as well. And we'll be sure to include that in the show notes. Thank you again so much. And congratulations on the brand new book. We look forward to continuing to uh, follow to see where all of your next bold moves take you. Thank you again so much. Thank you. And to more bold moves together for sure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Just a reminder, you can save $25 on any of our learning pathways at ShiftingSchools.com by using the code SSPOD25 at checkout. If you like today's show, or if you have something you'd like us to talk about, send us an email at info at ShiftingSchools.com. And of course, rates and reviews are always appreciated. Until next time, we'll see you on the network.